0: Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslander. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on June 19, 2022. We're continuing our study of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And today Luke tells us of two incredible miracles in the life of Jesus which both amazed and frightened his disciples, and the people of the town that he was in. Now, if you had been there to see these two miracles, you would have been amazed. But I want you to take it past the amazement level today. One of my reasons for spending so much time in the Gospel of Luke focusing on Jesus is that I really want you to understand Jesus and to be reminded that Jesus is alive today. And I want you to know what that means for you, for me, and for our church. And we'll read these two miracles, but if you had been in the boat when Jesus calmed a storm, just automatically, because he said so, you'd be amazed. But beyond that, I hope that you will do what the disciples did. They began to ask serious questions. Who is this Jesus? And what does he want from us? And so that's what I'm hoping will happen to you. If you had seen a seriously mentally ill man possessed by demons, naked, dangerous, breaking chains like they were string, living in tombs, and completely uncontrollable, and then you saw him fully clothed, calm, sitting at the feet of Jesus, you'd be amazed. If you heard the story that many demons came out of him and entered a herd of pigs who stampeded in fright and then drowned in a lake, you would be in awe that Jesus could do that. But I hope you would be more like the pigs who ran from evil than the people of the town who asked Jesus to leave. They apparently valued their pigs more than they did this man or Jesus. And the same kind of issue is still around us. I left Anaheim on Wednesday. I was there for the Southern Baptist Convention. And I stopped to gas up six dollars and39 cents a gallon in Anaheim. And you know the world is crazy when I thought, "That's not as bad as I was afraid of. Um, you know the world's crazy when 6:39 does that to you. But as I filled up, an elderly lady walking through the gas station, going through the trash, picking up bottles and cans. But about every 10 seconds, to no one in particular, she would just do this. Get away from me! And then she'd move on. Get away from me! I uh, asked her if I could pray for her. But there was no recognition that I even existed. As She just went on through and kept yelling every 10 seconds or so. I prayed for her anyway and then moved on. No one else paid her any attention whatsoever. And I thought maybe we're not that different than the people in Jesus's day were who didn't know what to do with this man that we're going to read about. So we're going to read these two incredible stories. One, Jesus in the boat with his disciples during a storm. And another one, um, the, the, the story of Jesus healing and casting demons out of a man. They're found in Luke 8:22 through 38. So let's stand together as we read of these two stories. Luke 8, beginning with 22. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A Large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. You may be seated. What I want to do today is I want to share with you two powers that Jesus has. And I want you to understand them. I also want us to look at some powers that God has given us. And so let's look at these two powers of Jesus, and the first is his power over creation, his power over the world, his power over the wind and the waves. So understand the story. They were in a boat crossing the Sea of Galilee when a storm arose, and the storm was powerful enough that even these fishermen who had worked the lake their entire lives were afraid And so they woke up Jesus. Jesus rebuked the storm, and all grew calm. And then he asked them, where is your faith? Did you pray, or did you just panic? Did you doubt that I would care for you? And their understanding of Jesus grew tremendously. Who is he? Obviously, he is more than just a great teacher. Even creation obeys him. And that's what Jesus was showing them. He was more than a man. No man can rebuke the wind. No man, through his voice, can stop the waves. And I want you to remember, as you live your life, as you walk with God, as you believe in him, I want you to remember that Jesus has over creation. He created us. So when you see videos of hurricanes, remember God is far more powerful than that. When you feel the sun bearing down on your back on a 115 degree day, remember that God is more powerful than that. When you hear scientists talk about the Big Bang in which the universe sprang into existence in a millisecond, remember that it was God who created everything like that. God has no shortage of power. And I want you to know that, and I want you to live in that reality, because if you believe that and live that and act like that, it's going to change how you live. So that's the first power of Jesus that we see here. And the second thing we see is that Jesus has power over evil. Today we would call this man mentally ill, he was but Jesus knew the reason because he was possessed by and controlled by demons. Demonic activity was at an all-time high during the ministry of Jesus as Satan threw everything he could at Jesus. But Jesus cast out the demons, taught the man, healed him of any lingering issues, forgave him of his sin, loved him, and taught him the basics of the faith. Jesus showed that he And please understand this, he alone has power over evil. The the townspeople, honestly, and you can't blame them. They did what we do with someone who is out of control, out of his mind. They tied him up, they guarded him, they kept him out of town. Jesus and Jesus alone cast out the demons, cast out the evil, and changed his heart. Does evil still exist? obviously. Evil people shoot up schools, churches, and grocery stores. Businessmen, athletes, and as we have learned in the news recently, even pastors abuse women and children. Dictators commit war crimes. Rich people refuse to feed the hungry. Millions commit sexual immorality of every known type. Politicians lie and deceive and no one even cares anymore. Evil still exists. And I want you to understand that only Jesus can solve the issue. Unfortunately, we don't always live and act as if we believed that. That God alone has power over evil. Christians would rather go to the polls than to prayer meetings. We'd rather rant than repent. We'd rather promote our candidate in our Jesus. I wonder sometimes if deep down, really deep down in our hearts and in our minds, we really believe that Jesus and only Jesus has power over evil. Those are two obvious powers of Jesus. Power over creation. His power over evil. But I want you to look at some things that Jesus has given to us. And there are three things, three powers that you and I possess that I want us to take full advantage of. And the first is the power to choose. You have the ability to choose who you are, what you believe, what you're going to do with your life. The saddest verse in this whole passage is verse 37. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them. Go away, Jesus. Because they were overcome with fear. So he Jesus got into the boat and left. Understand what they were saying. Jesus, your power scares us. We have never seen anything like this. We're not sure we like it. You saved a man and killed our pigs. Uh, we don't think we like that. Please go away. We're fine without you. We're fine the way we were. And Jesus, because he does not force himself on anyone, got in the boat and left with his disciples. Listen, one of the greatest powers that God gives you and me is the power To choose we can choose to follow Jesus we can choose to allow God to forgive our sins we can choose to allow Jesus to overcome the evil in our own lives we can have Jesus and the Holy Spirit come into our hearts and then we can choose to live the life he wants us to live or we can do what these people did go away Jesus we don't want that so what is your choice The power to choose is one of the greatest things that God has given you. But listen, a word of advice when you make your choice. Make it clear. Don't make people guess where you stand. If you choose Jesus, then choose Jesus all the way. Believe in him. Follow him. Live like him. If you choose not to follow Jesus, then say so and be clear about it. Don't stand in the middle. Don't wiffle waffle Don't lollygag. I was having fun with words. Don't teeter. Don't sway back and forth. Choose where you are. Are you going to be like the disciples? We're with Jesus in the boat. Are you going to be like the people? No, we're just fine the way we are. Go elsewhere. Make your choice. I quote a friend of mine all the time, Melvin. Um, He's gone home to be with the Lord He didn't come to faith in Jesus until late in life. But then when he chose to follow Jesus, he followed him all the way. And his talk to those in the church who were sort of, maybe, I think I'm a Christian. I'd like to think that I'm a Christian. his, His words to them were very clear. Get out of the middle of the road. The only thing in the middle of the road is a yellow line and dead skunks. So go left, go right, but move, make your choice. And he shared that in our church probably 10 or 12 times. And I'll always remember that. Get out of the middle of the road. Make your choice. You need to recognize, because you can blame your life and your problems and your issues on everything else. You got to realize that you have this incredible power to choose. You can go with Jesus, and yes, there will be storms in the boat, or you can walk away from Jesus. You got the power to choose. And so that is one of the three powers that you see in this passage. What's your choice? The second power we see in this passage is the power to pray. The disciples did the only thing that they knew to do. The boat was about to sink the fishermen. Now understand, these were fishermen who had operated boats on this particular lake their entire lives. They grew up on this lake. They lived on the seashore. They went out pretty much every day. They knew the lake. They knew the boats. They had done everything that they knew to do, and it wasn't working. And finally, they woke up Jesus with the words, Master, Master, we're going to drown. It was not an elegant prayer. It lacked the dear Heavenly Father and the biblical quotations and the eloquent words and the in Jesus name and the, the amen. But what it lacked in religiosity, it made up for in an intensity and urgency. We're going to drown. That was the only thing they could do and they did the right thing. I was kind of thinking through, what did what these disciples Had been Americans? Peter would rant about the waves on Facebook. James would post a scary Instagram video. Andrew would write a blog about the dangers of boating. John would text his wife a sweet love note. Simon the zealot would call his lawyer to begin the process to sue the boat manufacturer. Judas would make a YouTube video about death. The disciples did the right thing. They went to Jesus and said, Jesus, we are drowning. Now listen to me, because what I'm going to tell you now is truer than when I said it in my first sermon in this church 22 plus years ago. When today's church begins to call out to Jesus with that amount of intensity... When we are clear before God, God, we are drowning in violence. We're drowning in shootings. We're drowning in drug deaths. We're drowning in drunkenness and abortions and immorality. We can no longer trust our pastors, our businessmen, and especially not our political leaders. We're losing the next generation. Help us. When we come with that level of intensity instead of church as is normal, then, and most not likely not until then, will God save our nation. When prayer meetings, listen to me, don't say amen to this unless you're committing to come to prayer meetings. When prayer meetings rival worship services in attendance, then we can expect God to save our nation. We're drowning. You don't have to be a genius to see it when you're in the boat. We're drowning. You don't have to be a genius to look at America and see there is something seriously, majorly wrong with the way we are living. But until we do what the disciples did and say we we can't solve this through laws, we can't solve this through court decisions, we can't solve this by organization the only one who can solve this is God, so God, we're calling out to you and asking for your help. When we come to that level of intensity and urgency and set aside the nice words and set aside all, 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 all the, 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 the good, solid, dear Heavenly Father, we quote this verse to you. When we admit to God we're drowning and that there is no other hope and not until then do I believe that God will do something great in America. So so you have the power to choose, the power to pray. And by the way, if you really believe that God and God alone has power over creation and power over evil, you're going to pray. So if you don't pray, maybe the issue is what you really believe and you need to rethink that. Because there is no other hope. There is no other chance. God who created us, who has power over evil, and is the only one that can change hearts and lives. When we come to that level of intensity, we will pray. And so you have the power to choose, and you have the power to pray. And then number three, you have the power to tell. I want to come with you, Jesus, the healed man said. But listen to Jesus' answer. No. Go back to your home. Go back to your town and tell people what God has done for you. And he did it. Who was the last person outside of church that you told what Jesus has done for you? I mentioned earlier, I was at the SBC convention this last week, and and I did a thing, I, uh, ask permission of random people, just kind of waiting outside of the convention center, I asked them, hey, can I ask you a question on video? And I'm not going to tell you the question until I start recording. I was surprised. Five people in a row said yes. The sixth one looked at me and said, you're crazy. And she kept on walking. But I just want, want you to ask a question. Let me show you what they said. Let's dim the lights and listen to the answers. Well, I believe in Jesus because I've seen the power of the resurrection in my life. I've seen it in, uh, him saving me from, uh, in, in, his own, uh, way of grace from sin, from death, from, uh, really a path of destruction. I've seen it in the lives of others. Um, and, uh, one of the biggest examples I would say was even, uh, my own mom who was headed on the path of destruction in, in everything, drugs, alcohol, uh, abuse, and, and all of those things. And, uh. Got turned around by the power of the Holy Spirit by Jesus Christ coming into her life and and bringing her back uh, and, and seeing just fruit and life and growth out of that and redemption um, even in that relationship as well why do I believe in Jesus well um, the basic why would be because I was introduced to him by my parents and by people at church at a very young age but my why I continue to believe is probably because I've just seen him work so heavy in my life Um, he has, he has shown me that he's real in so many ways. Basically, opening doors that, I mean, it it seems pretty simplistic, but opening doors that are meant to be where to go to college, who I'm supposed to marry, what we're doing with our life, um, everything just, when I trust him for my future, things go much more smoothly than if I try to do it myself. Why do you believe in Jesus? Uh, I believe in Jesus because of what he's done in my life I uh, heard him as a, as a young child my parents demonstrated him and taught him my church demonstrated the same uh, encountered him He, you know called me to follow him I said yes and in my life I've seen through experience uh, the reality of who he is uh, what he does how he meets and greets us so to speak all along the way and so I'd say from what I've learned uh, from my experiences with him Uh, what He's done in my life, and those that I know and love and trust. Uh, I believe in Jesus. Why do I believe in Jesus? Um, Because He uh, came in and changed my life radically. I learned about Him as a 14-year-old for the very first time, and the more I learned about Him, the more uh, I believed in Him. And uh, now I know more about Scripture and and the evidence, but I learned about Him and I believed in Him because uh, somebody told me that He died for me, and that was good enough for me. Why do you believe in Jesus? Um, I would say that I believe in Jesus because He is the the risen Son of God. And uh, if there was one case or or one uh, fact or evidence I would look to, it would be the over 500 witnesses that saw and wrote about Him and were willing to die in their belief in the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Why do you believe about Jesus? And when was the last time you told someone? Because honestly, no one's going to come up to you on the street and say, why do you believe in Jesus? We do that a lot in conventions and in classes and in church. But we're speaking about belief in Jesus for the most part to people who believe in Jesus. Jesus told the man... Go back to your town. This town that asked me to leave. This town that does not believe in me. This town that does not want me around. Go back and tell them what I have done in your life. And he did. Listen, you and I have three great powers. Based on the reality God has power over creation and over evil. We have the power to choose. We have the power to pray. And we have the power to tell. And if you really believe in Jesus' power over creation and over evil, if you really believe those things, I'm not sure that you're going to be able to keep your mouth shut. You're going to make the choice to follow Jesus. Jesus. You're gonna pray like you've never prayed before. And you're gonna tell people. Yeah, it might be awkward. Sometimes it is. It might be hard. Often it is. You're gonna get rejected. That's part of telling the story of Jesus. Jesus was rejected, his whole town sent him away. That's not my problem. My problem, my challenge, my commission, my task is to choose Jesus. Pray to Jesus and tell people about Jesus. And that's your task. And that's the call to Avondale Baptist Church. I want you to pray. Maybe that intense, urgent prayer. God, we're drowning. We're playing church games in the boat, but our nation is drowning. I choose you. I will pray to you. I will talk about you. Let's stand together and let's pray. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.